Uh, we are in a series right now called 25,000 Mornings. Who was here for part one last week or who watched it online? Okay, I really hope uh, that encouraged you. Did that encourage anybody? Uh, I really hope it encouraged you. I preached a message called I Need a Doctor. And ultimately what we talked about is basically if you want to live well, you can't live hurt. And so you need to not forget the past but confront the past and embrace the past and learn from it. And so we talked about how you need to get honest with yourself. You need to get honest with somebody. And then you need to get ultimately honest with God. And so if you do those three things, I'm telling you, you'll be in a process of healing. And so uh, this week, we're going to talk about discouragement. Because I believe it's a debilitating disease that many people in this room, many people watching, many people uh, I've experienced and do life with experience discouragement tremendously. And that's what I want to touch base on today. And that's why I want to attack. And so I'm praying that we have kind of an open heart surgery today and believe that God's going to do a miracle. Can I get an amen in this church? And so we're in a series right now called 25,000 Mornings. Let me explain the concept really quick. Basically, from the adult age of 18 years old, the average American lifespan uh, goes to about 80 years old. And so in those 62 years, you have about 25,000 mornings left to live. And so what we talked about is how time is a limited resource. It's a limited commodity. And so we, we've pulled two principles from this text in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. We want to live wise, and we want to live well. And so we talked about... Uh, how to develop spiritually, and then how to develop personally. And so today, what I want to do, if you want to live well, well, you need to overcome discouragement. And I want to teach a message today, and if you're taking down notes, write this down if it's not already in there, how to stay encouraged. How many want to stay encouraged in here? I don't just want to be encouraged occasionally. I want to continually sustain the encouragement that God has given me. Can I get an amen? And so I don't want, I don't want to just simply have it for one day and it leaves tomorrow. Ultimately, what I want is I want to have encouragement that stays, and we need to learn how to defeat discouragement so we combat, combat discouragement, and then we replace it with encouragement. And ultimately, what encouragement is, is putting courage in. Discouragement is pulling courage out. And I want to put some more courage into you today. Is anybody else interested in some of that? Okay, let's go to work. Uh, here is the text for today, 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm reading a New King James Version, and uh, I need you guys, okay, can I, can I just ask a real quick question? Um, I need you guys to preach back to me today, okay? Can we do that? Okay, so for the Brazilians in the room, you can say, I'm your Deus. You like my white boy accent? That was pretty good. I thought so. Uh, but you guys can say, preach, get it, amen. Okay, that was good. Some people, they just love the, mm, that's my favorite. People love that one. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 through 6, it says this. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Talking about the city of Ziklag. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5, and David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, the Carmelite, or Carmelite, not Camelite, Carmelite, had been taken captive. And verse 6 is a key verse. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David, watch this, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to speak from the subject today, how to stay encouraged. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity we have to be able to open up your word. I pray that we would learn from it, we would grow from it, we would mature from it. I ask God that this would be a room full of faith. I'm firmly believing, God, that there is going to be people that walk away here or walk in here one way, they walk away a completely different way, full of discouragement if there is in this room, and they would walk away empty of it and full of encouragement in Jesus' name. And everybody in here with a great big loud shout of faith said amen and amen. amen. 
Amen and amen. Um, I had a week this week. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced some stuff like this, but, like, I had a week. So I'm preaching my heart out last Sunday, okay? Dad has trusted me to do a whole series. I pray you got blessed by it. I was really blessed by it, Devin. Thank you so much. That was an incredible word. Thank you, church, so much. I appreciate you guys. So really preached my heart out last week. You know, walking uh, off stage, talked to a couple people. They said it really helped them, and I was, I was so thankful for that. Monday rolls around. Monday is my off day. And so I have a basketball game on Monday nights. I go to Lifetime Fitness. I play in a basketball league. Uh, we ended up winning by 20. I had 30 points, if you were wondering, but it's no big deal, you know. Uh, my three-point percentage was insane. But anyways, um, in the middle of our game, I actually, I don't know if somebody did this intentionally or it was accidentally, but I got sucker punched in the eye. I was so, I was ticked. I was livid. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't complain about it. I'm, I'm a tough guy. Okay, I was crying. Okay, whatever, guys. But uh, I was a little frustrated. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I rebuke you. But, um. Um, I, I didn't realize how badly it actually hurt me. I woke up the next morning, Tuesday morning, wake up, go into the bathroom. I look in the mirror, and I thought to myself, what in the world is Quasimodo doing in my bathroom right now? My eye was swollen so much so that I could honestly barely open it. I go into uh, my bedroom, and I see my wife. She wakes up. She goes, oh, what's on your face? I go, what is on my face? I'm, like, I'm freaking out, y'all. I'm, like, actually freaking out. And uh, I think to myself, you know, I'm not going to be super insecure about this. It's not that bad. It's bad, but it's not that bad. It'll get healed over throughout the day. Walk into our staff meeting. What do I see? I see PMAC. Three seconds into walking into our staff meeting, PMAC goes, what does the other guy look like? <laughs> and immediately insecurity floods my mind. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was that guy the whole day. Had to wear sunglasses inside the building the entire day. I was that guy. So frustrated, so frustrated. Wednesday morning rolls around. I wake up, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this thing is going to be a lot better. Walk into the bathroom. I'm like, I look like Fetty Wap walking into the bathroom. I was so frustrated. Looks like somebody put hot sauce in my eye. I was ticked. Call our staff. I say, hey, guys, listen, I'm not going to make it. I got to go to the doctor this morning uh, because my eye is swollen. Basically can't see anything right now. Go into the doctor. I go to the ready med in Milford. Walk in. Nobody's in the entire room. I start to, you know, sign in. Somebody comes out. They said, uh, there's an hour and a half wait, sir hour and a half wait. There's not a soul in this building. What are you talking about? What do we pay you guys for? Come on. If you work at ReadyMed, fix it for the, in the name of Jesus. Come on. And so I call my wife. I'm frustrated. I'm just like, babe, what are we going to do? She goes, what do you mean what are you going to do? You should just stay there or go to the Minute Clinic in Ashland. I'm like, yeah, I rebuked this place in Jesus' name. I'm gone. <laughs> Going to the Minute Clinic, fill out this little form, walk into the doctor's office in Ashland. And then uh, this lady goes, um, what seems to be the problem, sir? Do you see my eye, lady? Look at my face. Something's wrong with it. Normally, I'm, I feel like I'm handsome sometimes, but, like, fix my eyes. She goes, I did notice that as you walked in. You better. You're a doctor, woman. Oh, my gosh. I was so frustrated. She ends up assessing that not only did I get hit in my eye, so there was a physical bruise or contusion, but there was also bacteria and dirt that got in my eye. And I'm thinking to myself, there's dirt in my eye right now. Get it out, get it out, get it out. I was freaking out, okay? I'm not a drama king. I'm not a drama queen. I'm a drama king. Come on, everybody. Free us. Stop it, babe. And so and she's like, okay, I'm going to give you this, this eye drop. I'm going to give you this ointment. And honestly, you should take it, you know, a couple drops, take it four or five times a day. It should be healed in no time. I'm like, give me no time. She's like, anywhere between five days to two weeks. Five days, two weeks. I'm on camera tomorrow, lady. Heal this thing right now. 
freaking out, y'all. You ever gotten you ever gotten discouraging news like that before? Like, I know that's more of a humorous story, but the reality is all of us have some way, shape, or form experienced some type of discouraging news. Maybe we are experiencing discouraging circumstances. Things like this happen in our regular everyday life. And if you want to take some notes, you can write down this thought: is this is discouragement is common. It's common. It happens so regularly, and we talked about this last week, how, you know, people walk in and they look all cool, prim and proper, put a smile on their face, they walk into church, but the reality is, I would venture to most people in this room, if you're looking to your left or to your right, you would find that there's discouragement inside of every heart in this place. Some way, shape, or form, discouragement is a common thing. It's common. Here's another thing that discouragement is, it's deadly. Discouragement is deadly because discouragement, when a, dis- when a person is discouraged, that person will either make the wrong decision or no decision. And sometimes no decision is the wrong decision. That was a really good point right there. And so discouragement is deadly. Just last week, as soon as I got done preaching, I go to my phone, walk outside. I look at my phone. There's two text messages. One person uh, texted me saying, one of my leaders texted me saying that her dad has been in the hospital the entire day. I won't be able to make it to church. I was supposed to serve. won't be able to make it to church. And she was in the hospital the entire day. Her dad got some horrible news, and she was just discouraged. I, immediately, I'm thinking to myself, I literally walk away from church, and all of a sudden, I see instantaneously discouraging news. Anybody ever else happen, had that happen to them in their life? So you could be in an atmosphere full of faith, and as soon as you walk away and the doors are open, all of a sudden, discouragement could hit so quick. Discouragement can be deadly. Here's the last thing is this. Discouragement is recurring. It happens again and again. And ultimately, I don't want to prophesy this over you, but this is a promise that is in Scripture, is you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have some issues in life. It's going to happen. The reality is you don't have to stay discouraged. You don't. Discouragement is recurring. But I said this to some of my team recently, and I thought this was so powerful. But the reality is discouragement has your address, but it doesn't have a key. You don't have to decide to let it into your household or not. Did anybody else hear that today? Like discouragement has your address. It knows your residency. But just because it knows your address doesn't mean you have to let it in and let it sit on your couch and let it sit in your mind and let it sit in your soul. Discouragement does not have any place in this church, in this family, in my mind, in my heart, or in my soul. I told you, I'm going to preach it today. It does not have a hold in our church family. And I don't want to just defeat discouragement. I also want to learn how to stay encouraged. Because how many know you're not just supposed to fight the thing, you're supposed to replace the thing with truth. And so I want to give you a formula today on how to fight discouragement, how to defeat it, and how to stay encouraged. But, but let me just throw up the definition there. I didn't do this first service, but let me just throw up the definition of what discouragement is. Can you guys throw that up there, guys? This is what discouragement is. It's a loss of confidence, enthusiasm, or it's dispiritedness. Here's a, here's a few synonyms that they'll throw up there. Dejection, demoralization, depression, disappointment, despondency, hopelessness, lack of enthusiasm, lack of confidence, despair, or gloom. I wonder if you maybe have any of those characteristics in your life right now. Feeling discouraged, feeling despondent, feeling depressed, feeling a lack of enthusiasm, feeling a lack of confidence. I'm telling you today, and I'm going to prophesy this over you, you're getting your confidence back, you're getting your enthusiasm back, you're getting your joy back, you're getting your hope back, you're getting your purpose back today. I wish I got a better amen than that. Can somebody praise God and believe that that's going to happen in faith? I love this about our God. Because our God is somebody that cannot help himself when he sees a discouraged person. I ran across this powerful story. Um, I remember reading the story about this guy broken down on the side of the road. Car breaks down, opens up the hatch of the engine, and he sees all this smoke. He tries to fix a couple things, can't start his car. 
All of a sudden, a limousine pulls up, pulls up, and then this guy pops out of his car. Looks like a million bucks. Walks over to the engine. He tells the guy, the owner of the vehicle, he says, go into the front of the car, and then I want you to, I'm going to tweak a couple things, and I want you to start the car. Five minutes later, car starts, and the guy goes, why in the world did you stop? Obviously, you're an important man. You look like an, a million bucks. You look like you're going places and going somewhere. Obviously, you're important and busy. Why did you just stop and help me? And this guy goes, well, first of all, my name is Henry Ford. I am the designer of this vehicle, and it bothers me when I see vehicles that I design broken down on the side of the road. I can't help myself but to fix the problem. And I want to tell you something about our God. Is when he sees you broken down, discouraged on the side of the road, he is not a God to pass you by. He is not somebody that just idly walks by. He is somebody that says, I see a problem. I'm going to get you back up. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to get you back on the road of life. I wish I got a better amen to somebody in that. Yeah, this is our God. He's a healer. He's a fixer. He can't help himself when he sees you discouraged. And I believe there is a formula. I believe that there is a process that you can uh, inherit today to stay encouraged. But really quick, I just want to review the text that we read earlier because I believe it requires context. See, because David is walking back with all of his soldiers and his army to this town called Ziklag, the place where he was staying, his residency right now. And so the Amalekite army come into Ziklag. They see they see all the uh, resources, all the families of the soldiers of David, and they actually steal their families, their kids, their wives. Uh, they burn down the entire city. David and his men return back to their hometown, and they see all this place burned to the ground. Can't find their wives, can't find their kids, can't find their resources. Everything was taken away and stripped from them in one moment. How many know that's a discouraging situation? Can you imagine something like that happens in your life? And the Bible records that not only were they crying, they cried so hard and they wept so hard that they could not cry anymore. They ran out of tears. It was so hard and so hurting and so depressing for them. That is a discouraging situation. Not only that, but the Bible records that the men that David was comrades with actually started to turn on David. So they started to turn on their leader. They said, he led us out here, and this is what happens when we followed him, is there's always attacks, there's always trials, there's always troubles. I lost my family, I lost my house, I lost my resources. All these things were lost in this one moment, and they talked about stoning and killing their leader. Now, put yourself in the situation where David is right now. Could you imagine how David felt? Not only does he have a battle in front of him with the Amalekites, he has a battle behind him with his own comrades, his allies turning into enemies. That's discouraging, y'all. But not only, I think the greatest battle was not in front of him or behind him, it was within him. And David, watch, it records in the Bible, so powerful, he strengthened himself in the Lord. If there is one thing you need to learn how to do, it is strengthen yourself in the Lord. But watch, he didn't stay down. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And watch what happens in the rest of the story. Here's the reality of it is they decided, and David, because he strengthened himself in the Lord, he prayed to God, he rallied the troops, he went after the Amalekites, he found the Egyptian soldier that was left half dead by the Amalekites, fed him, got some, in, uh, some important intel and information, and they ended up finding the Amalekites, found the Amalekites, found their families, found their sons, found their daughters, found their wives, recovered all the resources, and they got revenge because David didn't stay down. He got back up. And I want to tell somebody in this room today, you do not have to stay down, but if you allow yourself to be strengthened in God, you can get back up again. You can recover all the things that you once lost. And I'm telling you, that can happen today. It can happen today. How to stay encouraged. How to stay encouraged. He strengthened himself 
in the Lord. What does that look like? What does that mean? How can we do that? I want to give you four ways, if you want to take down some notes, four ways to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Is this helping anybody so far? Okay, number one, write this one down. Is this, you need the right voices. Yeah, you need the right voices. See, because how many know, how many know there are wrong voices, but there are right voices? And so you can't just let anybody talk to you. You have to make sure the right voices talk to you, which is why I think it's so important that you have people of faith surrounding your life. When you have the right voices speaking into you, I'm telling you, you're going to get blessed and you're going to get encouraged. Uh, I, I remember just a, uh, last week, you know, I'm preaching and uh, three services. It's exhausting, by the way. I hope you guys know that. You guys are an exhausting crew. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And who, why, why would a preacher say that? Um, Honestly, I have so much respect and love for our pastor, and he does this week in and week out constantly while holding the responsibility of the church. It's a lot of work, y'all, let me just tell you. But when you have the right voices speaking to each other, I'm telling you, it's amazing. So what we really need is a culture of encouragement. Why? Because the Bible says in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 12, it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so if Satan is the accuser of the brethren, I want to be the complimenter of the brethren. Did anybody else get that? So you are never more like the devil than when you're shaming and condemning other people. Oh, my, I'm going to throw this mic right now. So please, for the love of God, we need to be people that just build up other people and never beat them down. You don't need somebody to come into your life that tells you all that's wrong about you. You need somebody to tell you all that's right about God. That's what you need in your life. And so the right voices speaking into the situation will help you get rid of all discouragement, all despondency, all depression, because you got the right voices in your life. Watch this. Amazing story. Um, the Wisconsin Badgers are playing some football. And uh, the fans, you know, they're diehard fans. They're in the crowd. Uh, the Badgers are getting pummeled and destroyed. So much so that some of the fans actually pulled out the radio and uh, they started listening to the Milwaukee Brewers game. So the Milwaukee Brewers are baseball, Wisconsin Badgers are football. So the football fans are watching, watching football, but they're listening to the baseball game. And so Milwaukee Brewers are killing their opponent. And so what happens? These fans were yelling and they were screaming at the middle of the football game, even though their team was losing. Watch. Their eyes saw defeat, but their ears heard victory. And so we are people that live by faith and not by sight. And although your eyes might see defeat or hurt or pain or trauma or my bank account might be low or my marriage is falling apart or my relationships are hurting or my faith is waning right now, although I see defeat, all I hear is victory, that God is going to use this to bless me. God is for me and not against me. He's going to use all these things that the devil meant for harm, and he's going to use it for good because I'm listening to the voice of God, and I'm listening to the right voices, not the wrong voices. You want to learn how to be encouraged? I think this is a really good message, by the way. You want to, if you want to be encouraged and stay encouraged, listen to the right voices. Amen, everybody? Amen. Number two, number two will be this. Get in the right atmosphere. Oh, I love this point. I love this point so much. This is my favorite point. Get in the right atmosphere. Because you got to know something. God is drawn to some atmospheres, but he's actually withdrawn from other atmospheres. Have you ever been in a, you know, I've been to a lot of churches. I've gotten to preach in a lot of different places, and it's amazing. It's awesome. But there are some places full of faith, and there are some places that are honestly just spiritually dead. And so, have you ever been in a room where you're just like, ooh, something feels weird here? Am I, am I talking to anybody? Like, like, sometimes, you know, you can go into a church, and you feel faith. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what this feeling is. Sometimes you can walk into, say, say there's a funeral. How many know there's a feeling of sadness, sorrow in that room? Why? Because words create atmospheres, 
uh, uh, emotions create atmosphere. Faith creates atmospheres. And so I asked the team to come up and just watch. Look at how just a little bit of music changes the whole atmosphere. And so what I want to tell you is you might feel discouraged or you might feel hurting or you might feel like you've been in pain or are facing an impossible circumstance, but thank God we serve the God of impossible and impossible is his job description. The right atmosphere. And so what I wanted, wanted them to do, I asked Danielle and Victor to come forward and I just asked them, I said, I, I just want you to sing for a second because I want to show you, you don't have to just wait to come to church, but you can actually do this in your home, in your living room, in your house. You can turn your Toyota into a tabernacle. You can do it. And so if you feel discouraged, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling beat down or hurt or depressed, what I want to tell you today is set an atmosphere of worship and watch God move. Go ahead, Danny. I want you to just sing for a second. I want you to turn down the lights. I want you to, if you know the song, just, just follow along and watch what an atmosphere of faith will do. Go ahead. I find all of heaven was your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Come Let on. This place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? It's the sound of heaven touching the earth. Sound of heaven Come on. touching earth. Come on, everybody. Sound of heaven touching our Father, earth. Our Father, our Father. All of heaven was your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. More time. Earth. I find all of heaven was your name. Sing louder. Come on, let this place you up with praise. Let this place Ooh, you up with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. It's an atmosphere of worship. It's an atmosphere of worship and praise. Look what happens in seconds. I see tears flying. Listen, when you are full of worship, you will be empty of discouragement. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, when you're full of worship, you'll be empty of discouragement. And listen, when you worship, God wars. And so the Bible actually records, I believe it's in 1 Samuel 16, where Saul had a depressed spirit upon him and he called David to come in and David started playing the harp. And because of the atmosphere that was set, the Bible says that the spirit was on, that was on Saul was completely removed. And so you might have a spirit of discouragement or depression or hurt or pain or bondage or trauma like we talked about last week. When you get in the atmosphere of praise, that spirit is gone because you got in the right atmosphere. Isn't that good, everybody? The right atmosphere. So you need the right voices, the right atmosphere. Here's the third thing is this, the right memories. The right memories. I heard an exercise that was done recently that I did myself. And ultimately what it was is you put down on a piece of paper all the people that severely hurt you. Write them down. Write down some names. And what you would see is you probably have, you know, severe hurts. You probably have 5, 10, tops, 15 people in your life. And if that is the conclusion that we come to, we would find that although there might have been 10, 15 people that really hurt us, 
there have been thousands of people that have been really good to us. Did you hear what I said? Is this making sense? And so when you focus on the right memories as opposed to the wrong ones, watch encouragement flood your soul and flood your mind and flood your heart because you focus on the right memories. Watch this, watch this. This is, this is so brilliant. Oh my gosh. I got this staff, ready? Tell me I don't look like a gangster right now. Old school pastor shepherd, come on. David, David is going up to Saul and he's about to defeat Goliath. You know, we, a lot of us in this room know this story. And so before he goes to battle with Goliath, Goliath was a, literally a man who was a superhuman man. He was a man child, this huge man. And so from birth, he was trained to be a stone cold killer. From birth, David was raised as a shepherd. And so J David was raised to take care of sheep, to protect sheep from, you know, wolves, bears, lions, all these certain things. Tigers, my, oh my. Anybody know that song? Okay, great. Nobody knows it? Okay, one person. Thank you, Dre. Thank you for being relevant, Dre. Thank you. Um, but, but they would have this staff, obviously, that would protect the sheep. And so David walks into Saul's tent, and he's about to say, I'm going to take on this Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to come against the Lord, uh, the uh, God of Israel? Who is this guy? And so Saul says, okay, I'm going to give you my armor. I'm going to give you my weapons. I'm going to give you all those things uh, so that you can defeat the giant. He goes, no, no, no. Let me tell you something. I'm a shepherd. I, I know what I'm good at. I know what my weapons are, and I know what I can kill the Goliath with. And he would have a staff. This is what it's some study on. He would have a staff like this walking in front of Saul, and he would say, hold up, Saul. I don't need your armor because, watch, they would put a notch. Every time a shepherd had a victory or made a kill, they would put a notch in the, in the staff. I realized, Saul, I don't need your armor because I have my staff and I have God that's with me. I remember that one time I killed this bear. I remember that one time I killed that lion. I remember that one time that that sheep got away and I found him and got him back. And so this, this staff would be full of notches and full of memories about God being faithful to him. And what I want to just tell you, if you want to have and stay encouraged, what you need is you need, the, you need a staff that just says, there are all these victories that God has done in my life. There are all these things that God has been faithful with me. And if he's faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the present. And he will be faithful with me in the future. Because God has been good to me. And we've seen a lot of victories in our lives. And I know you might be facing a tough situation right now. But what I want to tell you is God can provide victories for you. You just have to rehearse them in your mind. I remember Natalia and I. Uh, just, I'd say, eight months ago, nine months ago, we come up to the altar. Natalia says she needs prayer for her body. She needs some, some help and some healing in her body. And we also just pray, God, we need some financial provision. We really do. We need some help. I don't know how we're going to make it this past month. So we walk up, go to the prayer team, and uh, we ask for both of those things. They pray for us. We felt the presence of God. As soon as the prayer had concluded, we turned around, and somebody came up to us. They go, uh, Pastor Devin and Tally, can I talk to you for a second? Pull us aside. And then this person just goes, um, we've been saving up really since October. And uh, we felt like God was, we were supposed to save up about $1,000. And uh, we felt like God today told us we need to give it to you. She just gave me a check for $1,000 right there. Literally seconds after I finished that prayer. Seconds. And I thought to myself, I should have asked in October, God, what am I doing? I should have done that. Anyways, different story, different time. But you have not because you ask not, is what Scripture says. And what I want to just tell you, God has been faithful to some people in this room. And you need to rehearse those victories because if he has helped you in the past, he will help you in the present, and he will help you in the future. Because you got the staff of victory.
rehearse the right memories, rehearse the right things, and you will stay encouraged. Can I get an amen from somebody in this church? Here's the last one is this. Here's the last one would be this. Is you need the right motivation. So it's the right voices, right atmosphere, right memories. Here's the last one, the right motivation. See, because I believe there are three different types of motivation. There is internal motivation, external motivation, eternal motivation. And let me tell you something, the most powerful motivation force on this planet is when you have an eternal motivation and an eternal perspective. It's amazing. You know, ironically today, uh, my grandmother is actually from Alabama. Beebs, can you just wave your hand really fast? This is my grandmother. She's coming from Alabama. A woman of God. I absolutely love Beebs so much. Um, she lost her husband uh, this past year. And my grandfather, um, it, was a, it was a tough situation to watch. However, at the same time, because my grandfather, Papa, we called him, Feral Mon, had an eternal perspective. He was the greatest example I have ever seen when it comes to death or the facing of death. And so a completely discouraging situation for an entire family. Of course there is hurt. Of course there is pain in the midst of it. But I want to tell you, I asked him before he passed, and I was just like, Papa, like, you're in the middle of this situation right now. What, what, what advice could you give me? I, I want to learn from it. You know, he's in the right minds. He's, he's making jokes with people. Like, that, that's how much hope he has. He's making jokes. This is my grandfather. He, he was asking Nick, uh, Adrian's right here. This is my aunt. Uh, she, he was asking Nick, hey, Nick, can you, uh, can you go get me some shoes? Farrell, why do you need shoes? You're not, you're not walking or anything like that. He goes, so I can kick the bucket. I'm like, Papa, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? This guy's on his deathbed still making jokes. How many know that's eternal perspective? And so he just taught me. I'll never forget the rest of my life. He just taught me it's either heaven or it's healing, Devin. It's heaven or healing. Both are miracles. He says, stay ready and get ready because the reality is heaven is for real. And so stay ready. And so no matter what situation you're facing right now, no matter what you are discouraged with or hurt by or depressed by, what I want to tell you is when you have an eternal perspective, I am telling you the things of this world will fade away. Life is like a mist or a vapor. And when you have an eternal motivation, an eternal perspective, you are looking heavenward. I am telling you, things that once hurt you can just sting. They lose its power because you had an eternal perspective. So what do you need? How do you stay? Thank you, Lord. How do you stay encouraged? The right voices. Come on. The right atmosphere. Number three. And then number four. Last one. The right. The right. The right. And the right. You're going to stay encouraged. Can I pray for you? And we're going to worship together again. Father, I just, I just declare in Jesus' name, that my church family, the people that I love so dearly, the people that we're called to lead and shepherd, Father, whatever discouragement is taking their hearts captive right now, I rebuke it and I cancel it in Jesus' name. I want you to agree with me in faith, church. So, Lord, I just believe, God, that we're going we're gonna to set an atmosphere full of faith. And no matter what situation they are facing, marital issues, financial issues, dreams that were broken, relationships that are fractured, family issues. We declare whatever is broken can be healed. Whatever is hurting can be set free, God. I just believe, Lord, that you're going to see, and we're going to see miracles happen in this service, in this room, because this is an atmosphere that God is drawn to. And when God is here, healing shows up. 
blessing shows up, favor shows up, and hope shows up in Jesus' name. Now bow your heads and close your eyes still because I want to pray for you. There's some people in this room that feel so discouraged, and ultimately what you need, you need to become a new creation. The Bible says that, listen, when you give your heart to Christ, you are literally a new creation. And so you really want to get encouraged? You really want to defeat discouragement? What you need is Jesus. You need a relationship with Jesus. He is the greatest thing that has ever happened to my life. And ultimately, he made me a new creation. A man that was facing certain death, hurts, pains, spiritually, physically, emotionally abused, could have faced, is the most difficult, discouraging situation any human being has ever faced, and yet he overcame it, and so can you. But you need to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand on three, and I'm just going to ask you to boldly say, I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. One, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Two, Jesus loves you so much. Don't wait another second. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up right now, right now. I see your hand. Thank you so much, young lady. And I see your hand. Thank you so I see your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Would everybody repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today, Father, I exchange my trust. And I put it in you. I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, can we praise God, everybody?